That's a big statement. I pledge allegiance to the Lamb. Can you say amen to that? Do you know what a pledge is? That's a promise. That's a vow. Do you take your promises lightly? I pledge allegiance to the Lamb. That means they ever pledged allegiance to the flag, to the country, and to the republic for which it stands, right? That means pledge allegiance to the flag, to the Savior which it stands. Amen. Trouble with America is that we've got in such a easy living, easy this, easy that, that nobody takes a vow seriously. Amen. This thing's aggravating me this morning. We take it so lightly when we say we will. Amen. Everybody's married, raise your hand. You take that commitment seriously? If you don't, you'll be divorced. Amen. And believe me, it's cheaper to keep them. <laughs> I mean, if you want to get down to dollar and cents about it, you're cheaper to keep them. Not only that you made a commitment until death do us part. I'm trying to follow the Holy Ghost, are you? You ain't liking this, are you? You know, we don't ever like it when somebody says, hey, you made a commitment. You haven't kept that commitment. Amen. We don't like to be on the receiving end of that one, do we? And that wife looks at me and said, you said for better or worse, you've had the best, now you got the worst. Amen. We ain't liking that. I'm sorry. It's still the truth, isn't it? Now, that's a two-way street, sir. I just wonder if some of them ever had any of the best. It was some bad to start with and got worse. Oh, I got quiet, didn't it? Yeah. Are you perfect? You didn't say that with a whole lot of enthusiasm. I said, are we perfect? No, we're not perfect. But are we striving to be perfect? Are you sure? Does anybody know what striving means? Trying your best, right? How many have ever heard the terminology? That old college try. I'm going to give it the old college try now. Well, let's get out of college and get into the book. The book said, for you never make a vow and make it and break it. If you're not going to keep it, don't even attempt to make it. Amen. Amen. Romans. You know I like it when I come to church and the devil's mad. <laughs> Romans chapter number 1, verse number 16. Romans chapter number 1 and verse number 16. I'll tell you right up front before I ever start preaching. I'm not going to get all the message in this morning. So if you really want to hear preaching, you'll come back tonight to find the end. Amen. Amen. And you're probably not going to like the topic. Romans chapter number 1, verse number 16. The Bible said, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Are you with me? For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness, unrighteousness of men 
who hold the truth, in, notice this, in unrighteousness, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it unto them. How many in here know to do right and don't do it? Say amen. Rest of you told a lie. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. There's your topic. Without excuse. Are you with me? Say amen. Because that when they knew God... They glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imagination, and their foolish heart was darkened. Are you with me? Say amen. amen. Brother Chris, pray. Yes, Lord. God, hear the cries. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. When we really face the fact, most people, if not all people, are you with me? In this country are without excuse. And I say that this morning because I know how many times you had opportunity and you didn't take it. How many doors are open in America this morning to hear the gospel, and many did not take the opportunity to go hear the gospel? How many opportunities have we had for the Holy Ghost to save us, and we walked out lost? How many preachers have we met, especially here in North Carolina? You ain't going to go too far, you're going to run into a preacher here in North Carolina. And probably in your day's walk, you'll run into two or three. And most of us truly have heard the gospel many, many, many times. Most of us here in North Carolina were taken to church or drugged to church as children, and we heard the gospel. So we really are without an excuse if we're lost and undone, it's because of you and nobody else. Amen. If you're cold and indifferent, it's because of you. Don't blame it on anybody else. Amen. If you're outside the will of God, it's nobody's fault but your own. Amen. Because the doors of the church, believe it or not, are still open. Amen. And God is still in the saving business. Amen. And God is still able to save to the uttermost. Make you a new creature in Christ Jesus. I'm glad to report to you today that we truly are without excuse. Amen. The creation reveals God's eternal power. I mean, God spoke everything we know into existence. And they call it the Big Bang Theory if they want to. But when God's voice sounds off, I'll guarantee you it'll sound like a bang. Amen. I mean, everything we know come into existence, there's going to be some racket. Amen. I don't care what they call it. I know the voice of God spoke it into existence. You say, how do you know that? By faith. By faith. You know, we're so quick to say, I know that. I believe that. That's the truth. And a lot of times we don't know it for a fact. So we take it by faith that God created everything we know, spoke this world into existence. I, listen, but we do know for a fact there was a man called Jesus. I mean, that's recorded in history also, not just in the Bible. So we know for a fact there was a man named Jesus. We know for a fact that there was a baby born with a star over it. We know that for a fact. Those are recorded in history. So those are factual. 
We also know that this baby was in the temple at 12, confounding the doctors and lawyers, if you have it, and the clergymen of that day. Where'd all this wisdom come from? Where'd all this knowledge come from in one so wise? So we know that's for a fact. We also know that the fact of it is that he healed people. I mean, those are facts. Amen. I'm dealing with facts. I'm trying to get us to understand we don't have an excuse. We don't have no excuse whatsoever. Oh, preacher, you just don't know. Can I say this and not hurt your feelings? I don't want to know. I don't need to know. God knows, and God can take care of it and do something about it. And he's been trying to, but we'd rather have an excuse than healing. We'd rather have an excuse than joy unspeakable and full of glory. Oh, we ain't liking this much this morning. This ain't a shouting message, is it? (laughs) But it's a truthful message. We know this man, Jesus, that he walked on water. We know that. We know that he healed the blind. We know that he raised the dead. These are recorded facts. And I often wonder, how many facts do you have to have Truly before you begin to believe what thus saith the word of God. How many things in this Bible can you disprove? None of them. They've tried. A whole lot smarter people than you and I have tried to disprove this book. This man called Jesus. They have tried to put something to his charge and they can find no fault in him. So if there's any fault, it's got to be in us. If there's any unbelief, it's got to be in us because facts are facts. The fact of it is, we're living in perilous times right now. That's a fact. Amen. I've never seen America in the mess that it's in. That's a fact. And I want to say this to everybody this morning. You ain't seen the half of it yet. Because the Bible said it's going to wax worse and worse. And friend, it's going to. You've lived in the best day that you'll ever have and that's today. If tomorrow is allowed to come, it'll be a little worse than today. Now think about this. In your lifetime, how has it changed? In my lifetime, the preachers were looked up to when I was a boy. The church was a place that peace and joy that people could come together and worship and pray and seek God's face. Now it's become a convenience. They won't drive by. Drive up to the window, get you some theology and drive off. Throw $5 in the windows for your tithes and go on. But in my lifetime, as a young man, the church was the center of the community. Anderson Branch Free Will Baptist Church, where I grew up as a young boy, was honored by everyone saved and lost alike. No one ever disgraced the church. The church doors were never, ever locked. Uh, Many a person has took sanctuary in the church and slept overnight and never ever harmed a thing. Are you with me? Say amen. But we want to say that we're becoming more intellectual. We're becoming more humanized. I say we're becoming more demonized more unfriendly and ungodly and unholy and unrighteous. Yes, I see that in America now. I didn't see that as a young man on Anderson Branch Free Will Baptist Church in Madison County. I didn't see that in the community there, even over on Sam's Creek where my daddy's people's from. You saw a community 
not individuals. If somebody, I never forget, old man that split out more locust rails than anybody I ever knew other than Abraham Lincoln. Honestly, he sold the county there 10,000 split rails that he split by hand and drug out with a horse. I, every one of the posts on my farm came from him. Hundreds of them. Two-ton truckloads of them. And that old man split them out. And the last time I went to get a load, I got a load and he said, give me two or three weeks before you come back because I have to plant my tobacco. I said, all right, Dad, Mr. Tipton. And I called back over there three weeks later, and I said, Mom, I said, his dad got fence post split out, and she began to cry. And her daughter had to get the phone. Mr. Tipton had died. The community came and planted his tobacco. The community worked his tobacco and harvested it, put it in the barn, took it to the market and sold it and brought his wife the check. See, it used to be, it wasn't just about me and my four no more. It used to be that America was a United States. Now it's all about what I can get. Now I'm bringing it to the church. I'm preaching on we are without excuse. If you don't put nothing in it, don't expect to get nothing out of it. And you have a responsibility to put something in every church service. And some of you grabbed your wallet right then. I ain't even talking about your tithes and offers. I'm talking about you. I'm talking about you don't have no excuse. I won't take an excuse. God won't take an excuse. This is the day of the Lord and we ought to be in the house of God. If you don't show up to your job, how long are you going to keep a job? If you don't show up at the house of God, how long do you think you'll be a Christian? Amen, preacher. We are without excuse. But we're going to make every excuse under the sun, aren't we? God's creation reveals unto us His eternal power. In Genesis, He created it. Are you with me? Say amen. Turn with me, if you will, over in the book of Colossians. In Colossians chapter number 1. Colossians chapter number 1 and verse number 14. In whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sin, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, All things were created by him and for him. Are you with me? And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. Are you with me? God's in charge of this thing. God created this thing. And God will close it out when it comes time. Man can't do that. Amen. I mean, just yesterday they done started flashing on the news about all of them getting their nuclear weapons ready. How many saw that? How many saw that? How many's afraid of that? They taught us when I was in school... And I, after I got old, I thought, this is the dumbest thing i ever seen. Or if they sound the horn, we're going to have a nuclear explosion, jump under your desk. They made us practice that. Yeah. Get down, put your hand over your head. Like, can I say this, and I hope it don't hurt nobody. That's like they tell you when you get on an airplane. 
If we're going down, put your head down between your knees and hold your head. You hit the ground at 600 miles an hour, there ain't no use holding your head. Hello? You hit water at 600 miles an hour, ain't no use to hold your head. Amen. They want everybody strapped in their seats. You know why? So if they find the seat, they'll find your body. Are you with me? Are you afraid of those things? No, they thousands and thousands get on airplanes every day. But all they got to do is run something across the television and everybody's in a panic. God's in charge of this thing. God's in charge of you. God knows every hair on your head. Or the lack thereof. God knows it. What I'm trying to say is ain't nothing going to happen that God ain't in charge of. He created this thing. See, you don't have that excuse. I've seen them stand in church with phones in their hands waiting on an important phone call. Are you with me? If it's that important, don't you think that they'll call you and it won't take two phones? Honestly, right here in this choir, I saw that. And I thought, if they do call you and they are dying, what can you do? I'd rather be here in this altar having my church pray with me, pray for me. That'll do a whole lot better than me up there at the hospital wringing my hands and walking up and down the hallway moaning and groaning and crying and complaining. Hey, God's in charge. You don't have an excuse. Prayer will do a whole lot more than worry. How many remembers my favorite saying? If you're going to pray, why worry? And if you're going to worry, why pray? Because one cancels out the other. Do you believe God? Do you believe God is able? Do you believe God will? How many believe God's still in charge? Amen. How I many he ain't throwed his hand up and said, Oh, I just surrender, forget it. Because if he did, guess what? Poof, you'd be gone. Because if God don't keep her going around, friends, she ain't going around. I mean, uh, Newton's own law. Every action has an equal and opposite reaction. Well, what's kept her spinning all these years? I can't answer that. What's kept the sun burning? It's got, I mean, oh, the sun is 65 billion years old. Well, who feels it every year? Who hauled the coal in? Where's the tanker load of oil? Come on. We're without excuse. God created this thing. God's keeping her in motion. <laughs> you know the miracle of creation is he commanded it. He spoke it, and there it was. Now let me help you. You're here because he allowed you to be born. (laughs) I don't want to get too detailed, but listen just for a moment. They tell me that every act of sex has 100 to 200,000 sperm. So... You are one in 200,000 possibly just to start with. Now think about that. Think about how many people try to have children and can't have children. So really you're probably one in a million or one in 10 million. I don't know. But God said, let this one conceive. And you are here. Have you ever thought about that miracle? How many got the one that I sent out yesterday about the Catholic man? He was at the doctor. He had COVID. And they were giving him his bill. And he began to cry. He'd been on the ventilator one day. 
And the doctor said, don't cry, sir. We get you some help to pay your bill. And the man said, no, that's not it. I've got the money to pay the bill. But said, you've charged me, I think it was 6,000 euros for one day on a ventilator. And I'm 90-some year old, and I've never thanked God for all the days of breath that he gave me. Free. So we're without excuse. You got up this morning, God gave you life, God gave you breath, God gave you opportunity to decide what you want for yourself. And those that want on the boat are in the boat today. And the rest of them want to go to heaven, but they're not willing to get into the boat. They're not willing to row one ounce. They want everybody else to do the rowing. They just want to show up and go to heaven. Ain't going to happen, friend. Ain't going to happen. Because if you don't have a desire to go to the house of God, I'm going to say you're either lost or backslidden. There's one thing for sure. If you're not going to the house of God, you're cold and indifferent. Because natural affection comes to play. A Christian ought to have a natural affection to want to go to the house of God, to hear the word of God, to feel the presence of God and the fellowship of godly people if you're born again. So don't use that as an excuse, friend. You may just be lost and don't even know you're lost. You may be cold, dry, indifferent on God and don't realize it's you the problem. It's not the church. It's not the preaching. It's not the singing. It's not the offerings. It's you, friend, that haven't realized what a God we serve. God is in complete control. Even though this world seems like it's out of control. Are you with me? I'm telling you, God is still got it in control. How do you know that? I've read the end of the book. I've read all that's going to happen from Genesis to Revelation and these things are happening just like the Word of God said. The Word of God said there'll be a great falling away. Or have we not seen that in 2020? Half of the church went home and stayed home. Half of the church gave up that God really does have it in control. You say, I'm afraid of getting COVID. Well, let me ask you one question. How did the man in Colorado get COVID when he never left his farm? How did he get it? He hasn't traveled. He hadn't been to town. He hadn't left the farm in two to three years. So how did he get it? Oh, somebody come and brought it to him. Maybe. Maybe God just said, you're going to have COVID. Maybe God said, you're going to have flu, and you're going to have this, and you're going to have that. Where'd we get cancer? Why do we have heart attacks? Why do we have all these? God's in control is what I'm preaching right now. God determines who gets what. It's not haphazard. Are you with me? Well, it was just an accident. No, it wasn't. God's divine inspiration allowed you to face the things that you faced. Because, go back and read Job's life. Well, nothing befell Job that God didn't allow. Not one thing. Go back and read about Abraham. Now, listen, I want to stretch your imagination. I done told you it's going to be long-winded, so buckle up and hold on. Abraham was told that he's going to be the father of a nation that's innumerable. Here he is, a hundred-year-old, and ain't even got a baby. Are you with me? Guess what? He had a baby. 
All right, problem solved. My seed will be scattered through my son. God said, hold on just a minute. I want to take him up on the mountain. I want you to sacrifice him. Stay with me. I, I don't want to lose you. Can you not in his mind say, wait a minute, God, you said I'm going to father many. If I kill my seed, how am I going to father him? He never once said that. He got up the next morning, got the men together, the wood together, the ashes together, grabbed the sun, and down the road he went. He went so far as to lay his son on the altar. He still, still, the son questioned, but the father didn't. Son said, Daddy, here's the wood, here's the altar, but where's the sacrifice? Father never once questioned God. He laid his son on the altar and rared back with a knife. You think that's faith? Got to be. Think about this. Abraham said, I know God's got it in control. Are you with me? God's got it in control. If I have to sacrifice my son, God will make another way, but his word will come true. So if his word is coming true, and that's a good example for us to look at, and Job's life is a good example for us to follow, then why do we question God? Why do we say, God, why did this happen to me? Well, let me be honest with you. A lot of things happen to you because you're stupid. Can I have a mirror, please? And look in that thing and say, hey, you've done some stupid stuff in your life. And your daddy tried to tell you different, and you've done it anyway. Oh, yeah, I know I'm talking to some of you besides myself. I'm one of the hard-headedest nuts that's ever been born because I knew it all. You couldn't convince me fire would burn even though I have scars to prove it. Hello. How many ever done the same stupid thing twice? How many ever done it three times? Four times? Five times? Done it the same way every time expecting different results. And then you stand back and you scratch your head and say, that didn't work out right. Wonder why. Wrong has never made a right. And right has never made a wrong. And God is saying, I've got it in control. You just let me be God. You know that's the problem with most humans. They have trouble letting God be God. Amen. Amen. People have trouble letting a pastor be the pastor. They won't tell a pastor, I think you ought to do it this way, preacher. Can I tell you this? You're not my boss. I take my orders from above. Amen. You may not like the way I do it, and it may not always work out right. But I'm the one that has to give an account for it. Well, if you just do this, how many times have I ever heard that one? I listened yesterday. Stay with me. I don't want to lose you. An oil rig in the North Sea exploded because somebody didn't listen. They had a control valve and they came in, took the valve out, put two metal plates and put a sign and took a sign to the uh, office where all the instrument are that controls everything do not operate so-and-so valve. It's being repaired. Well, something happened to the paper. The next shift came in. There's no paper telling them not to operate that valve. And the operator turns that valve on. Well, that valve is under like six or 700 pounds of pressure pumping oil. Guess what? It exploded under the pressure. What are you saying? Somebody's communication didn't get to the other person 
that had control at the moment and it blew up. Now was it the fault of the first person? He done the procedure right. He blocked it out. He tagged it out. He left instructions in the control room. Somewhere the paper got gone. Instructions were not followed. So I'm saying to you and I, we may not follow the instructions. We may forget. That's what I'm here to help you with. To follow the instructions. You may not understand. Listen, anybody that's ever tried to read my handwriting knows what I'm fixing to say. When it gets cold, I barely can read it myself. Amen. So even if I wrote you instructions and you found them, you may not be able to read them. And you would take them to somebody and say, what does this say? Well, I can tell you a good person to take it to. Take it to my wife. She's deciphered it ever since we've been married. She'll pretty well get everything right. Why? She's used to reading it. She's used to seeing it. She understands that instead of writing it out, I just roll it out. Right? Now think about what I'm saying. I'm preaching God's in control of this thing. He's got under-shepherds that he's speaking to. And believe me, the under-shepherds are trying their best to tell you the same old story. God wins this thing in the end. We ain't lost. We might lose this skirmish, but we ain't lost the battle. We may be down, but we're not out. Amen. Hey, the fat lady ain't sung. I'm asking you a question. What excuse are you using? Stay with me now. Please don't let me lose you. 1 Corinthians. Are you with me? Say amen. 1 Corinthians. Chapter number 1. Verse number 17. For Christ sent me not to baptize but to preach the gospel. Not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. Are you with me? Is it foolishness or is it power? i never forget the year I came back, and this is 19... I guess it's 2000. Came back from Jamaica. And I had an experience on the mission field as great as if I'd got saved. Does everybody know what I'm talking about? And I was busting at the seams. I was so tore up inside of what I saw and what I heard and the need I saw. I'd never been in a place where Every gospel track, people wanted them. They come and ask me for them. Yeah. You ever been in a place in America where they come and ask you for the gospel tracks? And, and it, we took 20,000 gospel tracks and handed them out in one week. One week. Never saw one of them throw down. In America, they blow their nose on it and throw it down. Or just go <laughs> throw it down and stomp it as they leave. So I was, I was tore up when I got back. I, I was full and I wanted to relay that to the people here at Charity Mission. And yes, I was long-winded. I preached about an hour and a half. Could have preached two more hours. Why? Because it made such a difference in me to see a hunger for the word of God. Hey, when they'll take you to church and church starts at 7 and they don't turn you loose to preach till 11 o'clock at night. Stay with me. There wasn't but one car in the parking lot and that's the one the preacher took me in. Those people had to walk four and five miles in pitch black dark. I'm preaching on without excuse. 
And I, I said, Pastor, surely you don't want me to preach. He said, Son, preach whatever God's given you as long as God gives it to you. And I said, What? And I, I was respectful. I preached about 45 minutes. And I thought, man, everybody in the church will get up and leave while I'm preaching. Nobody left. And after I got through preaching, they got up and sung another five or six songs. Nobody left. They were still around me, talking to me in the yard. We're talking after midnight. They still got five miles to walk. And some of them in their 80s and 90s. You want to tell me you got an excuse? You say, oh, Jamaica hits flat. Son, where I was at, a billy goat couldn't walk. I'm telling you the truth. Mountains was where I was at. I wasn't in that flat land. When you barely can get a car up to it, and when I say barely, the preacher said, Preacher, you're going to have to get out till I get over this one. I said, brother, what are you trying to say? He said, you too heavy. He didn't call me fat. He just said, you too heavy. I heard that on the last three that we drug across. I got out. I let him get across it. Then I got back in. You say, preacher, what are you preaching on? I'm preaching we don't have no excuse. Amen. Stay with me. Mesba Baptist Church. Pew's about as close as this one. And I seen nobody in the church all night because the light, it was over the pulpit. Birthday candles put out more light. I had to use a flashlight to read my text. I had a white guy sitting on the front pew, and I couldn't even see him. And I preached to a dark church that had 30 people in it, in a dark holler where there wasn't one single streetlight, in a neighborhood where they were known to rob people. I'm telling you the truth, people. We don't have no excuse. And just as I said, amen, believe it or not, the lights came on. I said, ain't that the way the devil is? He wants to keep everybody in the dark as long as the preaching's going on. And when I said, amen, the lights come on, everybody in church went. What is that? I don't know what that is. I ain't seen it in so long. And that little church stayed there in total darkness and listened to the man of God preach. And afterwards took me in the back and gave me a piece of raisin bread bun they call it, and cheese and fruit juice because they wanted to hear the gospel. They didn't use an excuse. The end of our church is rotting and falling off. It's dark down in this holler. There's thieves right up here that's blocking the road and robbing people. They didn't use all those excuses. They knew if they got to the house of God, they'd hear God's man saying God's word. There is hope in eternal life. There's blessings in knowing God. There's power in the blood. I'm about to get happy now. There is power in that blood. Those people wanted, they didn't use an excuse, and they had many of them. But we want to use an excuse. For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. I want to read that again to tell you this. Years and years after I gave my testimony at the first church, Beulah Baptist Church, I went back to that church and an older lady, she was in her 80s, come and cried on my shoulder and said, Preacher, I've not forgotten your message. Now we're talking years down the road. I said, which one was that, hon? She said, the one where you gave your testimony. See, she knew the scripture, she knew the book, but what touched her was how God 
save me. You ain't got to know this book cover to cover to win a soul. You just got to know how God saved you. You don't use an excuse when somebody is seeking and hungry after finding God. You can't use the excuse. I don't know the book enough. Just tell them how God saved you. Tell them what God's done for you. It's not with knowledge and wisdom. It's with heartfelt conviction. Many times over the years in different churches on that island, people have told me the same story. I remember your testimony. Do you know God saved you for a reason? Stay with me. I'm about to bust. Everything that you have been through, good and bad, is to glorify God. I've had hundreds, if not thousands, ask me over the years, why did God allow you to get busted up with that motorcycle and lay in Winston-Salem near death? And I have to give them this answer so God could get the glory. It's all for His glory. Everything that's ever happened to you, everything that's ever befell you has been because God is trying His best to give you a testimony to give to somebody on how God saved you and what He saved you from and how God has blessed you and kept you even in the bad times, in the valleys when it got so low that you'd have to look up to see a whale's belly. I want to tell you something church God is still God and salvation is still free and we all have an excuse if we want to use it but the word of God said thou art inexcusable oh man we don't have no excuse we don't have no excuse we don't have no excuse why we're lost for sure. Because Jesus died for all. We don't have no excuse why we don't come to church. We don't have no excuse why we don't read our Bible. We don't have no excuse why we don't pray. We don't have no excuse why we don't take a part in the workings of the church. Have you ever sung in the choir? Have you ever went witnessing door to door? Have you ever went to the highways and hedges with charity mission to sing? Have you ever done anything but sit on a pew? And that not too regular? See, we're without excuse. We don't have no excuse why we do what we do. You know, peace only comes through the blood of Jesus Christ. I, I, I've got to say that peace only comes through the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. And if you don't have peace this morning, something's wrong with you. It's not wrong with the blood. Amen. When I found Jesus, I found a peace that I never knew. Amen. When I truly got saved and born again, I found a peace that passes all understanding. Amen. See, I, I always use an excuse before to get drunk. I always use an excuse to do drugs and all the other bad things I ever done. I always had an excuse for that. But see, when I found Jesus, I didn't need no more excuses. Because he made me a new creature. I didn't have no desire for the things of the world anymore. No, I didn't. Alcohol, I never had one trouble, never ever drinking another drop of alcohol, never taking any more drugs. I didn't have no problem with that because he made that much difference inside of me. See what he done, he took out the sin, he took out the excuses. Every one of us sitting here has probably done things and used an excuse to do them. Why aren't you saved? 
why aren't you saved? You ain't got no excuse. Jesus died for you. He died for you personally. He arose again for you personally. He went to hell for you personally. He lives again for you personally. And he said he's preparing a place for you. You ain't got no excuse this morning. You ain't got no excuse at all to be lost. You ain't got no excuse at all not to have peace of mind, joy unspeakable and full of glory because it's available to all. It's available to whosoever will. But some reason or another, you'd rather have an excuse. Let me give you one more scripture and I'll close this morning. Go to the book of Colossians, chapter number 1. Colossians, chapter number 1, verse 20. Having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself. By him I say whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. Are you with me? And you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled. Peace through the blood. Peace through the blood. Can I say that again? Peace. Through the blood. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow. That makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. That may be what you're missing here this morning. You may be missing truly the blood. I want you to search your hearts right now as every head is bowed and every eye is closed. I want you to ask God this question and don't feel ashamed to ask him. God, am I saved? God, am I truly saved? Does my life prove I'm saved? Does my walk and my talk and my actions prove that I'm saved? Do my faithfulness to the reading of God's word prove that I'm saved? Does my prayer life prove that I'm saved? Does my witnessing prove that I'm saved? Does my attendance at church prove that I'm saved? I love God, I love the church, and I love what God has given me to do. Does your life prove those things? Maybe you need to come this morning and reaffirm your faith. Or maybe you need to come and be saved. Or maybe you just need to come to this altar right now and say, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, God. I don't have an excuse. I don't have an excuse. They're coming right now. What about you? They're stepping out and coming. What about you? What about you? You've been using the excuse of this and that and the other. But you don't really have an excuse this morning. Would you come? It doesn't hurt to ask God, God, am I saved? Does my life prove it? Do the words of my mouth prove it? Do the actions of my body prove I'm saved?
people around me, do they know that I'm saved by my words and my actions? Or do I have to tell them? See, there's no excuse for you not having peace of mind today. Because the blood of Jesus Christ sets you free from your sins. Jesus opened his nail-scarred hands and said, Come unto me, all you that are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. You have that rest in the peace that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. You know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you've got your name placed on the roll and he's preparing a place in heaven for you. Make sure this morning if you're here and you don't have peace of mind right now, I want you to come and let me pray for you. Kneel in this altar and say, God, I'm coming. I want that peace. I want that peace. I want that joy. Lord, I want to prove that I'm saved. And Lord, it'll be a joy to prove that because it was you that saved me and gave me that peace. Would you come for him? Would you come? They're praying in this altar this morning. Do you have a place up here that you need to be? Would you come? Some are still coming. What about you this morning? What excuse are you going to use right now not to come to an altar of prayer? You can't use, they'll know, Lord. Because I don't know the reason none of these folks are praying. Only God knows that. Only God knows that. Satan took your peace, took your joy, took your desire to be at the house of God, to hear the preaching, hear the singing, have the fellowship. Then come let God restore it. He's able. He's able to restore unto you whatever you need this morning. If you just earnestly come and seek Him this morning. When you leave this building, you're not going to have an excuse because you've done heard the gospel. You done know the truth this morning. You need God. You need to pray. You need to seek it as an individual. God is speaking to hearts. God is speaking to hearts in this building. Because God wants you to be a different person. He wants you to have joy in your salvation. Take joy in knowing your name's written in the Lamb's book of life. Oh, the devil's going to tempt you. The devil's going to put everything before you. He's going to remind you of your past. And every time he reminds you of your past, remind him of his future. Would you come? They're still praying up here. What about you, friend? What about you? What about you? God spoke to you and you need to come. Would you come right now? God's pleading with your heart. Would you come? Would you come? World closing in on you. Things getting too rough for you. Lay it in the hands of God. Say, God, here it is. It's yours. Whatever's done, God, you'll have to do it. God, you'll have to do it. God, you'll have to do it. Father, I thank you for the privilege to stand behind this sacred desk this morning and speak to such a wonderful people. God, we truly are without excuse. You made every provision, Lord, that we'll ever need. Lord, I truly want to die in the battle. 
Lord, I don't want to be on the sidelines. I don't want to backslide, back off or back out. Lord, help me, as Brother Ken Frady said, hoe out my road for your glory. Father, I pray for all my people here that, Lord, been struggling. Things in this old world is not easy. Troubles and trials and tribulations on every hand. But I'm glad I know a God who cares. Cares enough that he's numbered the hairs on my head. He's saying, I want to get personal with you. Thank you, Father, for loving me that much. Thank you, Father, that you and you alone are the strength that I need. God, this world may go to hell in a handbasket, but I'm glad Jesus made a way for me to go to heaven. Through and by his precious blood, my sins are covered. Thank you for that. I pray for strength for my people, Lord, in these days, these perilous times, Lord. Help us to be faithful to Jesus. Help us to be faithful to the church. Help us, Lord, to be faithful to one another. God, that you would get the glory and the praise and the honor. So blessed be the name of the Lord now and forevermore. For in Jesus' name I pray and ask it for his glory. Amen. Amen. Amen.